the one the people looking up to yeah, I tried to reach the sun but got me stuck to my shoes yeah, You got to be the one the people looking up to yeah, I tried to reach the sun but got me stuck to my shoes What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan, and this is Desmond, and welcome to episode 149 of Two Black Nerds. Yeah. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that. Love y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com. Go check out our Nerds of Thunder collection inspired by Thor, Love, and Thunder. We got t-shirts, crew neck city stickers, mugs, and tote bags. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we'll be reviewing Episode 7 of the Marvel Studios original series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We'll recap all of the big moments from this week's installment. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with some major developments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was quite a big week for the MCU in terms of the news that dropped and developed. We got some things that are very much exciting and then maybe some other things that could be a little bit uh concerning but let's start off with the good news and we have to start off and talk about probably one of the biggest announcements in recent memory i can remember in terms of comic book movie news it has been long rumored that hugh jackman would suit up one more time as wolverine to portray that character once again after he famously retired back in 2017 with the film Logan. And people have been wondering, will Hugh Jackman ever return? Will they bring him in in some sort of multiversal capacity? Will they ever even recast Wolverine and just continue to use Hugh Jackman? (laughs) But most notably, Ryan Reynolds has been sort of goading Hugh Jackman to pop out of retirement to play Wolverine one more time. It's been a joke not only in real life, but also in the Deadpool movies. And we know that a Deadpool movie is on the horizon for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, Earlier this week, our dreams and prayers were probably answered because Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman both confirmed with a very funny video that they dropped online that Hugh Jackman will one more time suit up as Wolverine and he will be in Deadpool 3. And not only that, we have an official release date for this movie. It's less than two years away. It's coming out September 6th, 2024. There's a lot of different ways to look at this news. There's a lot of different angles and questions that I think we have. But first, man, I just want to ask you, what did you think about this when you first heard it and when you first watched that video when it was released online? I actually didn't believe anything that was happening at first. I kind of seen like a headline. I was like, wait, what are we talking about here? Because it, it just had always felt like we had put Hugh Jackman to bed in a lot of different ways, right? Even as we poke fun at it or even as Ryan Reynolds even poke fun at it, I just it just always felt like one of those things that would never really come true again, especially, man, just the way Logan ended. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just such a definitive end, too. That's like, okay, Hugh Jackman feels done here. Um, but after seeing it, man, it was it was a pleasant surprise. And, and, and of course, excitement <laughs> uh, uh, rushed through me as I as I seen it, too, because it, there were so many possibilities that goes through my mind at that point. But also this Hugh Jackman, we, we have failed to see anybody else become Wolverine in our heads. Of course, somebody could probably else become Wolverine. But just because this is the actor we've grown up with and become accustomed to so much, it's like. But who else could do this? Um, and it's funny. They just kind of like jumped over that hurdle. It was like, well, 
I guess <laughs> we got Hugh, Hugh Jackman back, and it's, yeah, it just it just it it's a sense of comfortability there that 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 just feels so good, especially after the previous Deadpool's played so much with 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 other things, right? With with the Fox acquisition, and it's just a lot that it, that it, uh, the previous movies always played with dealing with X Men, and, and and to just hear that it's something like this was finally coming to light, especially Deadpool and Wolverine are so connected, right? And to, to see something like this finally come to light just felt good. Um, and for it to be coming under the MCU hood is good. And so I, I love the rollout. I loved how Ryan Reynolds it was. It, it felt very Ryan Reynolds. I love how Hugh Jackman went with it. Um, even how subtle it was where he just like walks by the camera. You're like, wait, <laughs> wait a second. What was that? Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was it was just really dope um, to see. And I think other Deadpool fans and X-Men fans were, were just as excited as I was, I think. Ryan Reynolds is really kind of a genius at movie marketing these days. I think he's almost as good as Dwayne The Rock Johnson when it comes to promoting films. He's just such a such a savvy businessman from that respect. And and this was brilliant in the way that it rolled out because not only is it so him as, as Ryan Reynolds, the, the actor and the celebrity that we know, but it's so Deadpool to deliver this news in this way. I know we were expecting possibly to hear about this at San Diego Comic-Con or maybe even D23 a few weeks ago. And perhaps it would have been more of a splashy announcement at that particular moment in front of thousands of people. But when you look at the way that they delivered it, 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 it's, it, it makes so much sense to, to do it in this fashion, to do it in a really quippy, jokey fashion. Now, on to the actuality of this being a real thing. I'm fucking elated. I'm so excited that this is going to be a thing and that this is going to happen and that Hugh Jackman is going to come back one last time because, listen... Logan and what they achieved with that film is astounding. It's one of the greatest comic book movies we've ever gotten. It kind of transcends the genre, really. Mm -hmm. And in watching that film and watching the send-off that they gave to that character was so emotional and it hit all the right beats. And it's one of the best send-offs anybody could ever ask for. But if there's one exception that can be made, it's certainly for this. And it's having the characters of Wolverine and Deadpool join up one more time and be on the screen together in the proper way, because we've technically seen them together in x-men origins wolverine but that sucked that version of deadpool was awful it wasn't it wasn't even really deadpool it was really wade wilson that we saw in that movie so now they can come back and do it properly and on top of that you have two people that are so synonymous with the characters once again portraying these these particular heroes anti-heroes whatever you want to define them as i'm just sure that this is going to be a hit this is going to be a monster hit this is going to be probably as long as they stick the landing one of the most ex exciting and probably entertaining comic book movies we'll we'll see in, in in a long time just because you know that these two take this completely seriously Hugh Jackman has always gone above and beyond anytime he steps out as Wolverine same with Ryan Reynolds mm -hmm. these two embody their characters and they naturally have chemistry with each other because they're real friends outside of this exactly. like they're actually legit good friends and yeah. so i don't know what the genre is i don't know if it's a buddy cop movie i don't know if it's just a straight up versus we know that they're gonna fight again like you have to have them fight mm -hmm. and, and and see that whole action and of course i mean the fourth wall breaks that they can do now that they'll they'll be a part of the mcu true it's it's like limitless potential <laughs> this could go anywhere i do want to ask you though about the whole logan aspect to it we we saw we saw wolverine die in that movie now, they did release a second part to this video and mm -hmm. said that, Logan, it's its own thing. It was set in 2029. We're not touching that. I believe them when they say that. Now, the rest of the video, unless you're a great lip reader, you couldn't tell what they were making out. But what do you think the context of this could possibly be? Is this like a multiverse 
story that they're trying to tell we know that we're in the multiverse saga Mm -hmm. do they pull wolverine from the x-men universe into the deadpool universe and they somehow end up in the marvel cinematic universe (laughs) the proper like 616 or is this like a potential setup for secret wars and we'll see Mm. hugh jackman come back more than once possibly What, what do you think that this could all end up being from a story perspective yeah i don't know man i think you hinted at a lot of good things that could happen there um being being in a multiverse part of the of of the mcu right now it does feel like they could go the direction of if they're not going to touch logan then in my mind it's like okay we're not touching that fox you know what i mean version of wolverine give us a new 616 logan and, and and I think that's a, a smart way to go, especially if you pull in not one, but two characters into the MCU, right? If we're saying this is the first MCU Deadpool, it's like, okay, maybe this guy, I don't know. What if Deadpool at the beginning of the movie is somehow still in the Foxverse, whatever the hell, however the hell that works, and he steps into the MCU and he's like, I need to go find Logan for some reason. You know what I'm saying? And he finds him in this in that universe or or, you know, something like that. And so I think that's kind of what I'm looking for. If it I I would love for it to be something Secret Wars. I don't know if they'll go that deep, right? This could be, easily be something they decide to throw away for whatever reason. This this Wolverine could even be attached to the the professor that we've seen in Multiverse of Madness. You know what I mean? Like they kind of threw him away in some ways. They could do the same to this Logan. Like it really just depends on which way they decide to go. But I still like the idea of how in your face mutant this this is going to be. Right? It's like Wolverine is in an MCU film. We know the Deadpool's MCU. Right. Wolverine's in an MCU film, and so I, I just like the idea of that. Like instead of like the secretive thing that we did with Miss Marvel, the you know what I'm saying? Mutants. This is like no. This is this is low key a, a X Men movie, and so. I think uh, uh, just that idea alone opens up so many possibilities because they can throw things away with the universe stuff, but they also don't have to. So I don't know, man. I don't know which way they go exactly, but I'm excited to see which one they take. I, it's Again, it's limitless possibilities, really. So the story, as much as we maybe guess over the next couple of years, I, we, we probably just won't be able to peg it because of how creative I'm sure that they are. And they've been developing this movie for quite a bit now. Like they... They probably already have the story and, and are just, you know, finishing up the script and gearing up for, for actual production really soon here. I, I mean, it could it could literally be anything. It could be Deadpool and Wolverine kill the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It could be they kill the Fox Universe. Um, there There's definitely going to be some shenanigans afoot, I have no doubt. The Secret Wars aspect of it, I don't know, but listen, I think anything is on the table at this point. I wouldn't be surprised that if this is... If this is now ushering in some of these Fox X-Men characters, like we also just saw with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Spider-Man No Way Home, I mean, listen, that, that that is Secret Wars if we're really thinking about it. So not sure if they've gotten that far, if that commitment goes that far to have these legacy characters come back. But that's one really effective way to do so, to to, to reintroduce these people in the ultimate multiversal story that you're trying to tell here. So I, I'm curious as to see what that looks like. Couple of other quick questions for you before we move on to our next news item. Deadpool movies, hugely successful financially. Mm-hmm. Both of them made like somewhere around 750 million worldwide. They were the highest grossing rated R movies for a time until Joker unseated them a few years ago, crossed that $1 billion mark, first rated R film to do so. Do you think that this becomes the biggest rated R movie of all time? Oh, wow. Probably. <laughs> it's, this, is now, this is now Deadpool No Way Home. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
<laughs> it's like, oh, Wolverine's in it. What other surprises do you have? You know what I'm saying in the pocket? Uh, is is I don't know anybody. We have now opened up such that anything can happen. No Way Home is one thing. It's like, well, yeah, anything can happen. Now, Hugh Jackman is like part two of that. You know what I'm saying? This is like, a okay, what's the next step? This is the next step towards that ridiculousness that the MCU now has uh, uh, in their pockets. And so, man, I, I, I see it. I see it becoming the biggest R-rated movie ever, man. Logan, Hugh Jackman, it's all... It's all there. It's all, yeah. People want to see Wolverine, and they going to go see Wolverine, especially with Ryan Reynolds there, too. Deadpool, successful movies, as you just said. It's a recipe for success, so I have to say yes. Yeah, I, I could see this clearing not only a billion, but it could get even further than that. Like, it can go a billion and a half, if we're being honest about mm-hmm. it, because you have Hugh Jackman. By that point in time, he will have played Wolverine for 24 years. My God. 24 years. This is multiple generations and so like the chance to see him come back and partner up with deadpool and also fight deadpool inevitably that that's just that's something that people won't want to miss in in a movie theater and also like joker it's as hugely successful as that was we just have to be honest the deadpool movies are more digestible and more entertaining so i think that people are going to want to rush out to see it as quickly as they can next question you talk about surprises do you think outside of wolverine we'll see any other fox x-men characters in particular do we see Patrick Stewart again pop up in this movie? Hmm. That's a good question. Part of me wants to say no, and they'll give us something else ridiculous that's not Patrick Stewart. I don't know what that is. Just because we've seen him die, it feels like, I don't know if we'll see him again. We, what would seen be crazy? 12 times. Something that'll get like a, I don't know if it's a pop. I don't know what it is, but like a. Of course, we still need the like the Ian McKellen. We still haven't got the Ian McKellen. But uh, imagine sure. if if we get like a Holly Berry storm. You know what I mean? Like something like that is like oh shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we got something else, and so maybe maybe even a Fam K Jensen. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, yeah. but we'll definitely get something else. I just can't put my finger on it what it is. But regardless, I'm going to be excited for it. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts. I agree. It'll, pro- it'll probably be somebody we don't we we least expect. Um, last question on this news item. Is this, or let me ask this, where does this rank on your anticipation levels now in terms of like the upcoming Marvel films that we're going to get? 2024 is going to be ridiculously stacked because we now have Captain America New World Order that's starting to really shape up. Fantastic Four is coming out that year. Thunderbolts is coming out that year. Let's not forget Daredevil Born Again is going to mm-hmm. be on Disney Plus. 18 episodes. I think I think not MCU, but another Marvel film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, um, is going to oh, be yeah. part two, whatever it's named, I can't remember, um, is going to be coming out that year because we're going to get the first one in 2023 and then the second part in 2024. Joker 2 is also coming out if you go over to the DC side of things. Like, it's going to be a re- ridiculously crazy year. <laughs> yeah. Also, Kang Dynasty, if I'm not mistaken, is coming out. Uh-huh. Or no, I made that up. That's, no. Kang is 2025. Next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that next year. But 2024, there's a lot there. W- w- I mean, how does this how does this stack up in terms of your anticipation levels across the board with all the movies we have coming out? Man, 2024, it might have to be a tie between that and Fantastic Four because because of the implications that they both give. I think they give different things, right? Fantastic Four does it right. You know, I've been looking for Doctor Doom since the beginning. I'm like, where is my boy at? But also the I'm I'm a huge X Men mutants fan. People, I mean, people know that about me too. So that's like another thing that I'm very much much excited for. But I have to right now they have to be tied. Maybe when I see like trailers 
in 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 even more castings of fantastic like fantastic argument is cast and the cast is crazy i might have to put that up a little you know it it, it really just depends we'll have to see when more information of both movies come out but for right now i'm gonna put them as a tie over thunderbolts or really anything else coming out this year that year i can't be mad at that either because what's also so interesting is the fact that those two movies in particular are going to come out within three months of each other which also signals to me that something more might be happening here we know like fantastic four has to be very integral to the final two avengers movies of that phase that they're going to probably tie in directly to king dynasty and secret wars and so if you have deadpool 3 with wolverine coming in right beforehand i mean that there's a lot there i feel like there's a lot going on there and the sequencing is no mistake it's very intentional and again this is the multiverse saga so all of that stuff has to be extremely important, and the timing of it, again, I think is going to play an even more important role as we start to see these things come out and be released. But plenty of exciting news. Just can't wait to see that film and see how things shape up. Let's talk about some other news in the MCU. We just found out that the runtime for Black Panther Wakanda Forever is officially two hours and 41 minutes, making it officially the second longest MCU movie ever. It's only behind Avengers Endgame. That clocked in at three hours and one minute. This is longer than Eternals. This is longer than Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, this is this is crazy. They usually don't they usually don't hit that that two and a half hour mark, let alone exceed it quite significantly. What do you think this tells you about the movie? I mean, two hours and forty one minutes, that's the runtime. It is what it is. If that's mm-hmm. what they feel like is the best runtime for this movie, then great. I fully support and believe in 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 their vision but what what do, you, what do you think that that tells you about the story and what they're trying to achieve with this movie man i think there's just so much time in the beginning to grieve chadwick boseman that i think uh not that it's not a movie in the beginning but i think they they want they want space for that to breathe until we get into the nitty-gritty right it's hard to be like this man died here's the action you know what i'm saying it needs to be like there's, there's going to be, I just feel like the beginning of that movie is is self-reflection. It's a time to for people to breathe and, and again, uh, uh, revere someone that was lost to the world, right? The MCU too, Black Panther, the king of this kingdom has died. Let's take probably 20 minutes, if not more than that, you know what I mean? To to not only show that, but to show the effects of that. Then you ha- you're, you're introdu- introducing an entire another civilization you know, in 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 you having to get into their politics and the reasons they're mad at the Wakandans and the reason you know they're they're just a, I think a lot of ground to make up. Um, not only that, they want people to see how beautiful the movie is going to be. Um, you know, uh, I think Namor is going to come with a lot of beauty and a lot of things that we 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 only got a glimpse of in the trailer. But from my point of view, this for a second. It's not going to be as good as like Avatar Way of the Water, but you know what I mean? I feel like they're going to take time and be like, ooh, y'all, look at this civilization. Look how beautiful it is underwater. And they're going to spend some time doing that stuff. So I, I just think they have a lot of work to do with with making the movie that they want to make. And that's the reason for the runtime. Um, shoot, a lot of the best superhero movies we know are that long. So I'm actually pretty excited um, because, I, 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 again, I think this means they're we talk about care in my mind right now this is them caring about the things that they want to show us and everything is going to have a purpose um and so yeah i think that's the reason for the runtime yeah i couldn't agree more about the chadwick boseman piece of it that certainly needs room to breathe within the film itself which you know we've taken two years to to grieve and think about that but they have to address it in this film 
Furthermore, to your point about Namor and just everything that they're going to do there, I, I had a thought that this runtime is possibly, it's possibly signal, signaling that this movie is almost sort of an origin story, really, for that character in the MCU as a whole. Because there's no way he dies in this movie. I think he continues to be pivotal and important because he is that way in the comics. He becomes one of the figureheads of, of the entire Marvel Universe. And so I think in establishing him and everything around him with the underwater kingdom that they've pivoted to, Talacan, it's not going to be Atlantis. They're really basing it off of Mexican and Aztecan history and culture. And so I think that this is almost sort of an origin story for him on top of the other stuff that, that, that you just mentioned. You know, So there's a lot that has to be achieved, but I think um, Namor continues to be a very, very pivotal character moving forward in the MCU, as he should be. And so you need a lot of that opportunity and room to, to build that out. It could, all, it, it could almost present him as one of, really, if not the main characters of the movie, kind of like what they did with Thanos in Infinity War. That's certainly an ensemble picture, but he had the most screen time in that film, the villain. And so I could see a very similar situation panning out here where Namor has possibly the most screen time of anybody to really get all of the information, all of the backstory and the context for that character that you need to, to continue to utilize and moving forward. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see, but I'm excited. I, I fully trust that this is the right thing to do and that they'll use this time effectively and that it'll be epic because two hours and 41 minutes is, that's that's the length of epic movies and I, I expect nothing less out of Wakanda Forever. In other feature film news, they just broke this news right before we started recording, but Armor Wars, which is going to be the upcoming well, once series starring Don Cheadle that was going to premiere on Disney Plus, it's now a feature film. So they've pivoted really for the first time ever in this manner, creating a series initially and now deciding that it's going to be a better experience, apparently, in movie theaters. We haven't seen anything like this happen before. It also has not happened yet in the reverse, where a movie was then decided to just become a series. I don't know exactly what this looks like and what this means in terms of the story or even the release date. We never did get an official release date, but they told us at D23 that this was going to be very much connected to Secret Invasion, almost serving as a follow-up to that series that will be on Disney+. Plus. What do you think about this, and does does the move to theatrical change your excitement or anticipation for this movie, and, and what could this what could this move potentially tell us about the story that they might be trying to communicate to us? Man, I just think it's dope that Don Cheadle's getting his own movie. <laughs> it just sounds like something that wouldn't happen. Um, I, I, the only the only pause I have about this film is I just don't know much about what this movie would really be about. Uh, uh, you know, and and if it's interesting for people, but I'm guessing they're going to, you know, uh, I don't know, find a way to get us you know, interested in this film. And I can't see, I can't wait to see what it is. Cause you know, on paper is like, okay, I love Don Cheadle. I like, uh, uh, war machine, but then you turn it into a movie. It's like, okay, but why? Like, what is, what is it that I don't know? And I'm hoping that there's more news that comes out, um, that helps me understand. Cause as a TV show, it made more sense to me. I was like, yeah, armor wars, right? We got, I don't know, all kind of stuff with the power broker and you know what I'm saying? I don't it felt like that. It felt like something that was would make sense as a TV show. But but um I'm still excited again for Don Cheadle. Um in, in Armor Wars. It probably means maybe Ironheart is in it too. Is this the closest we might get to an Ironheart movie at the time being? I don't know. But if that's the case, that's a W for me too in my mind. Maybe it is more of a 
mentor movie and they're both in it and they just had we don't know that yet because you know what i'm saying and so i think there's little details there that will add up eventually and they know something that we don't but for now i'm kind of just slightly on the fence just because i I don't know what it comes with um so that's how i feel yeah the only thing that they've revealed about this is just kind of like a one-liner what if Tony Stark's tech falls into the wrong hands. That's all we've heard about this show. And we've been wondering what really they are trying to achieve with this. And they gave us a little bit more again, saying that this is going to be a follow-up to Secret Invasion. I now wonder if that's still going to be the case, because I think inevitably, if this is being pushed to a feature film as opposed to a series, I think that this has to affect just the overall development of of the, the progress with it. Like, I don't know if they had an, a, a release date already slotted out they more than likely did but i i would imagine that this would probably push things back because now you have to really reshape everything and condense things down into a two-hour experience as opposed to five and a half hours maybe six hours worth of story and as i'm saying that i'm also wondering if they maybe just got to the table and decided we kind of don't have enough story Mm. for a series Mm -hmm. maybe we just don't have enough to justify six episodes seven episodes eight episodes but we could really we can really extenuate any of the strengths that we have and just make it a theatrical experience, probably add in more things to make it attractive. I think that this kind of has to end up being some somewhat of ensemble because I, I love Don Cheadle. He's amazing. Right. But how many people are going to run out to see an Armor Wars exactly. movie? So to your to your point, maybe we get Riri Williams in the film as Ironheart. Maybe we get Samuel Jackson mm-hmm. to come back and there is like direct connections to Secret Invasion. Maybe there's some other stuff going on there with... I don't know who else, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they decide to do. But I think that they'll have to really go back to the drawing board, which is apparently what they're going to do and figure out, all right, this is, can be a feature film, which I'm always for because, I, you know, I think that they do their films better than their movies or excuse me, than their series at this point. But it, it still has to make sense for, for that theatrical going experience. So we will have to see once more information become ava- becomes available. And our last news item before we talk about She-Hulk, this is the concerning aspect because we 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 really don't know what this all means. But. There's some issues going on with Blade, the movie that is supposed to come out in 2023. Is that when they slotted it? Yeah. I believe so. I think that that was a release date. Mm-hmm. So production would have to start on that like in the next few months <laughs> to start filming and yeah. get this movie out in a year. Ah, it doesn't look like that's going to happen because Blade just lost their director. Uh, Bassam Tariq was initially helming the film. He has stepped away Apparently, due to creative differences, he did release a statement. You know, he's going to be staying on as an executive producer. That's kind of the typical thing that they do. Like, once people step away, they'll give them an executive producer cred, maybe a story cred if they were involved in that process. But now they have to search for a new director. But not only that, there's some rumors swirling around. We don't know if these are true or confirmed. All we do, all we do know is that Bassam Tariq is no longer directing the film. Mm-hmm. The stuff that is more a rumor and innuendo is the fact that apparently Mahershala Ali is a little bit frustrated with the entire process with the development of this film. There's been several rewrites of the script, apparently. Allegedly, the script is also only 90 pages long, and it's been noted that there are only two action sequences that have been described as, quote-unquote, lackluster. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Feige is is said to be spread too thin amongst all these projects, just this overwhelming amount of new projects being developed under the Marvel Studios banner. It's It's just more significant than it's ever been we're we're getting at this point about nine ten projects a year out of them and it's gonna just go sky high even beyond this as they continue to pump out more series and films so he just can't be involved as intricately as he used to be because of the overwhelming amount of work that there is on the table 
this is um this is a little concerning for sure and and i think it's probably inevitable because of the fact of them losing a director that this film's gonna have to get pushed back Mm -hmm. which is not the worst thing in the world because you want them to get it right Mm -hmm. instead of rushing something out that isn't quality and worthwhile of our time but how do you feel about just hearing all the all of these different things that are being tossed around again none of this is confirmed but let's just hypothetically say it's all true let's just say Mahershala Ali is frustrated let's just say the script is only 90 pages and Mm -hmm. there's not much of a story there what does this tell you about this Blade film and and the development process right now man what is it it, it really in my mind just speaks to what's been going on in the MCU recently period you know it's, it's just everything has kind of been feeling overwhelming in some ways and projects have been suffering because it feels like the MCU has a little bit too much going on, right? We, they can't give attention to detail in, 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 in certain parts of the MCU. And, and somebody brings up a Blade film that has been announced for years now, right? But imagine as soon as that Blade film gets announced, a couple years later, everybody's looking for the next Avengers movies and Quantumania. And I, don't, I, I can just see how things can go to the wayside because there's so much going on. There's so many TV shows. Um, and, and, and that's on top of the movies. And so, man, I, if any of this is true, I can't say I'm like surprised, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't be like, Marvel would never, no, I'm sitting here like, well, I can't, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's very much possible. Um, cause the, these are also things that I don't feel like someone just like necessarily pulls out their ass. I'm sure some of these could be, uh, uh definitely hyper hyperbolic or, you know what I mean? Or, you know, just, uh, yeah, not completely accurate. But Kevin Feige said to be spread too thin. Well, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure he is. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> uh, that makes too much sense to me to let that go. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really interesting, man. Especially, you know, uh, uh, Bassam Tariq, who uh, they said initially is just a bunch of like production and scheduling conflicts. And I'm sure the what my 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 fear with this movie getting pushed back, you know, having to have a new director is them having to, I don't know, move pieces of the movie. You know what I mean? Move things that like, I don't know. Imagine Blade is in that spot for a reason. (laughs) Then they have to like, you know what I mean? Conjure up something from a different project, Eternals 2, where's Dane Whitman and all this, you know what I'm saying? They got to like figure it out. And so it's just, it's, 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 it's all, it'll always be a little bit alerting because you have to restructure, but sometimes happens rarely but sometimes you said it this can be a good thing this can be a good thing in terms of somebody has a new direction they have time Boston Tariq sound like he didn't have time (laughs) you know what I mean somebody Mm -hmm. somebody else has time to to sit down and actually hash this thing out maybe because he didn't have time maybe he was maybe he's part of Mahershala Ali's frustration in the process you know what I'm saying maybe these things are all connected and so um, um, if, if, if they're looking for a new director this early in the process too, I think that's important. You know, we've seen a lot of times where movies get passed around they're like halfway through production. It's like, Whoa, what's going on here? But this early it, production hasn't started. It's, it was supposed to start soon. What was it like next month, month after next month, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it just, it's weird and it feels bad, but all, all I can do is be hopeful that this is better news than what it sounds. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those red flags. Anytime you see somebody depart a project, I think the first 
natural reaction is to be concerned and to be like, well, what's going on here? And and Bassam Tariq got hired a while ago. And perhaps as they were developing this movie, as, as they saw that the script might only be 90 pages and they need more time to flesh these things out and to really focus on pre-production, Bassam Tariq could have just gotten tired of the entire process. It could be overwhelming. It's a lot of work to just get to day one of filming. You know, mm-hmm. it, it takes a ton of stuff and a ton of pieces have to be in play in place for for all of that to fall in line and so i don't know they could have said yeah we need another six months and he just Mm. maybe had enough of it and just decided like i can't i can't commit more if we're not going to get this off the ground and 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 decided to just step away that could perhaps be a thing here but regardless of whatever the actual reason was it is one of those things where this movie in particular has been just on the on our minds for so long yeah. now it was it was first announced in 2019 and we've still yet to begun filming and it's gone through rewrites and i think also also a couple of writers you know I, I have confidence ultimately that marvel will get it off the ground they 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 deliver things in due time even if it takes a little bit more time than they typically would mm-hmm. but this could be this could be a positive thing i mean doctor strange and the multiverse of madness a movie that we both really really like brought on legendary veteran filmmaker yeah, to a, usher that whole film through and once scott derrickson departed they decided to just go back to the drawing board altogether just rewrite the movie completely and turn it into a different experience and i think that that worked out for them um will that be the case here hopefully so hopefully they can just start start anew but you'd have to imagine that a person like mahershala ali who i'm sure is very excited about this has to be frustrated the guy really only does smaller movies he kind of only does like indie movies mm-hmm. and works on these smaller budget films. So the idea of this giant tentpole taking such a long time to get off the ground, I could see how that could work on a person's patience, yeah. especially for him as, as, as something I, I'm sure he cares about this character and this property so much. So we just have to hope and, and pray that if they do delay the movie, it's for good reason. And, and, and ultimately, when we see the final product, it'll be well worth it. And the time will not be wasted, but we'll have to see and we'll keep our ears and eyes peeled out for more information. But with that being said, let's transition and talk about the reason why we're here today. And that's to talk about episode seven of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. There are only now two episodes left after this week, so we are very close to the end here. Mm -hmm. I know we both had some concerns after last week's episode, particularly as it relates to the development of whoever the villain is in the series, where the story is ultimately going, the standalone nature of some of these episodes. And so now we do have this episode seven to talk about before we get into the details and talk about spoilers and recap everything that went down. Generally, what were your thoughts and impressions on this new installment of She-Hulk? Man, I it this episode is so weird for me in terms of there are things that I really like about it. And there are other things that... I don't know, just feel feels like they still need to be addressed. There's only two episodes left. I think there's there's such a big conversation on the internet right now about the, the expectations of the show and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And some people are like, well, it didn't meet your expectations, so it's, it's automatically bad. And, and people are like, no, that's not necessarily the case. And I think I agree with that. that but it, what's interesting is as an MCU fan – and as the MCU, I think you know what your fans are expecting to a degree, right? In in terms of what a, something that you put out is going to give us. If you have an entire saga of something that you're giving us that is fills 
uh, uh, integral, right? It feels like the DNA <laughs> part of the MCU. And then that thing is missing. Then it's like, are you trying something new or are you just not delivering on your promise? And kind of right now, part of me just feels like they're slightly not delivering on a promise, the way the show is structured. Um, but the other part of me really likes the self-work that Jin does in this episode. This is a, this is like, this episode contains things for character development that they had been surrounding pretty much the entire season that we finally got a chance to sit with in this episode. And because we got a chance to sit with it, I found myself uh, uh, really being proud of, of some of the callbacks to, to what Jin has, has had to go through as a character. And so that made it, again, really bittersweet for me because there's actually a lot of things that I liked here that, um, that I got. But also it was like, ooh, there's some things missing because we only have two episodes left <laughs> kind of type thing. And I feel like time time is running out. And I feel like time is precious in these TV shows where you only have so much of it, right? At the top of the season, we're, we're kind of talking about how, yes, She-Hulk has more episodes than all these other TV shows. Maybe that allows for it to do more. And in some ways, now that we're getting to the end, I don't feel like we necessarily did more. I feel like we're just not. I don't know. We're 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 not in the place that we should be still. Um, yeah. So that being said, it's it's a bittersweet episode for me. I still liked it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that. In fact, I actually laughed a lot this episode. This episode got a couple laughs out of me. And I was like, okay, now this is funny. This is some some mm-hmm. some funny TV. Um, but because of cliches and I don't know other things that I just was hoping that we wouldn't run into, we ran into them. And then we didn't get any more. So yeah, it's it's a very bittersweet episode for me. It's funny you say that. The first word I thought about this after it was over was that was weird. That was such a weird episode <laughs> that I just could not have predicted would be what we would be spending time with. And I went back and forth about whether or not that weird was positive or negative mm-hmm. or just sort of neutral, whether it just kind of, you know, felt left me feeling unmoved by it. But I have to say that there definitely is a section of this episode that is noticeably strong, and I think it's doing something quite different than we've seen out of other Marvel mm-hmm. series altogether. And I really, really enjoyed Absolutely. that because it felt it felt true and it felt real, and the writing was actually really, really good in that particular moment. And the characters also introduced here, I thought were all great additions, mm-hmm. especially if they're just like one-off people that we see that that really never surface back. I think. I've said this before, one of the strongest things about the MCU is their ability to introduce these no-name characters, these people that are just so obscure and and giving them really memorable moments that you can remember and hang on to and you can call back and say like, oh, that was kind of a cool thing that they did there because this is all being sourced from the comics. But there is a weird sort of somewhat standstill nature of this episode as it relates to the story and the series as a whole. Don't get me wrong, there are some things that progressed the story forward in terms of who's doing what here, what are the true motivations of certain characters, and, and everything under the sun in that respect, but I don't know how effective it was, again, because it's kind of hard to tell at this point. It, 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 does, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really seem clear on what the overall package is going to look like, because these last two episodes could also be standalone episodes that are just like dealing with their own adventures and this sort of through line that we've been developing is just like kind of a B plot, really. It's kind of the B plot to the 
the A type of series that it is in terms of really episodic nature. But I don't know. It's, it's just hard to tell. I think uh, maybe in hindsight, going back to it, I might just look at this episode as like, that was absolutely great. I, I will say, though, I, I did overall like it uh, quite a lot because to your point, I, I agree. It made me laugh several occasions. I thought that there was some pretty some pretty effective comedy moments. And I also do like the element of this particular episode where it strictly focuses on Jennifer. Like we don't really spend time with anybody else. There is no mm-hmm. A and B story here. It's just A all together. And I think that that was necessary. Yeah. And I'm glad that it happened now. The big kind of question mark hanging over my head. It doesn't really matter because it didn't happen, but I remember at the top of the season, we found out that the first episode was supposed to be the eighth episode. And so <laughs> if that were to be the case, I don't know how this, I don't know how this sequence it would have worked out. I don't know. It would have been pretty jarring. It, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't think it would have made any sense. So I think, I think moving into the first episode, probably the best decision, you know, now that we, now that we've gotten to this point, but Overall, I liked it. I definitely liked it. And I liked it a lot more than, than last week's for sure. And I think it definitely provided us some very important developments in terms of the characterization of Jennifer Walters and the relationship to the She-Hulk alter ego and all of those things. So effective for the most part for me, but certainly still some lingering, cautious concerns about how this is all going to wrap up. But let's talk about the details and let's get into the spoilers. So if you haven't seen episode seven of She-Hulk Attorney of Law. Definitely go watch that and come and finish the rest of our conversation. And I just want to start off and talk about Josh, because one of the big things that we were wondering about after last week's episode, this new Josh guy that she met at this wedding that she attended, seemed to be like a really good person. He was sweeping her off of her feet, very charismatic. They were hitting it off. They had a lot of chemistry. And now we see that further developed in this week's episode. There's a full-on montage in the first maybe five minutes of this week's episode where we just see their relationship grow. And it finally feels like Jennifer's starting to step over this line and, and, and meet a guy that's worth her time, that, that is very much into her for who she is and not this She-Hulk alter ego. And we see them go on multiple dates. We see them being romantic with each other. And then we see them ultimately being intimate with each other and they sleep together, which was also a bit of a surprise. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this show is kind of pushing that boundary. We don't really see sex in the MCU. That's just kind of like something True. they don't do. Mm-hmm. Eternals finally gave us the first sex scene in the mcu officially but now like we're actually getting into it more it's like yeah if she were dating and she liked a guy like of course they would have sex Mm -hmm. like it's it's natural so i'm glad that they didn't shy away from that unfortunately turns out (laughs) he's just like everybody else he really only wanted one thing out of her and it was either going to be her she-hulk personality or something a little bit more sinister which we now found out he he got her blood. That was the big question. Who wants her blood? Who's behind this? We still don't have all the answers. We still don't know who's in charge, but he takes her blood. We get that scene at the end of this episode. We finally get that that context after he ghosts her. He doesn't text her back after that date that they had, but we find out that he he's definitely working against Jennifer. What did you first think about seeing them be so happy together and kind of rooting for Jennifer in that moment? Only to then find out it was all for nothing. It was just a, it was just a guy who also was taking advantage of her, and now has he has his own ulterior motives. Man, Mm-mm-mm. Josh, Josh, Josh. Man, I remember last week I was you asked me, I was like, what do you think about Josh? What's going to come of him? I went the high road, man. I wanted, I wanted what was best for Jen. I was like, oh, I guess it's not best, but I said this man's going to get kidnapped. I thought he was good at heart, but I was hoping there's some weird reason in which he couldn't come back to her and actually when he first disappeared i was like 
was I right? Did he really get kidnapped? Like maybe he didn't ghost him. Maybe this dude is like in a in somebody's cell somewhere, right? She even brings up. She was like, I texted him a second time because like maybe he's in a ditch somewhere or something. I was like, dang, maybe he really did get kidnapped or something. Turns out he's just another dickhead. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, this it's it it, it I. I hate the decision that they did here because it's so like we've been here, done that. Uh, and I know I know this TV show. One thing the TV show does really well, I think, is playing on uh, uh, social commentary about how the world is really built. Right. A lot of this TV show is gin dating, uh, having to swipe through dating apps, realizing that all these guys suck like it's very accurate things. And I was just I don't know. I I in my mind, they wouldn't have like still stooped to this guy, the person that you she was interested in being another bad guy or another person that, you know, turns uh turns things on her. And so it was it was disappointing for two different reasons. It's like, damn, Jen, I guess we lost another one, but it was also like, damn, y'all had to go through that cliche <laughs> in order to get here. Y'all couldn't choose a slightly different route for us to get here. Um so yeah, Josh is a... Uh, He's he's probably now the worst of them. Um, I, at least the the doctor was honest about everything. At the end of the day, right? Like doctor was like, "Sorry, I just like she hulk But this guy is like, "Yeah, he's now the supreme dick." Um, he he <laughs> he freaking you know he 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 did all this. He, he had sex with her. She gave a piece of her to him in order just to get to her, and that just sucks. It sucks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fuck Josh. Hashtag. Yeah, he, uh, this guy, I mean, Jesus, it, it was kind of predictable. I mean, it, it almost felt go- too good to be true. And, and it, that that's exactly what it was. And we were wondering about Josh last week, like, well, who's this random guy? How is he all of a sudden just like hitting it off so easily with Jennifer, especially since she's just had not the greatest luck and people have only really been drawn to her because of She-Hulk. That's, that's how she became a public persona and people became attracted to her and if you didn't really know her and have a relationship before her, I think everybody would sort of be a red flag that would just all of a sudden come into her life randomly at this particular moment. And and that turned out to be true in Josh's case. He just wants he just wanted her for for this one specific reason, which ultimately is to hurt her, if, if we're being honest, because you can't imagine that they're taking her blood to do something noble with it. I think that they're taking her blood to possibly make their own Hulk, you know, and do some some experimentation, perhaps, which that's not going to be great. That's not going to be good. I wonder if Bruce Banner's going to come back into play with this whole particular storyline because of the blood and yep. how integral he is to that knowledge of this whole thing. Because Jennifer doesn't really have a grip on that. That, yeah. that That's kind of Bruce's lane. So I think this might be the opportunity next week or the season finale where she can give a call to Bruce. I don't know how she's going to reach him if he's like on Sakaar, but she can like contact him and say like, hey, my blood's been taken, you know, and, and it's funny because they just drop it as like a. It's like a gym at the therapy session in the middle of the episode. But that's exactly what happened. He stole her blood. But yeah, Josh, prick, asshole. He snuck around and did it in a really shady way. But how else was he going to do it? He, he's a villain, clearly, and not to be trusted. But this is, this is all still something that's taking shape. And we don't really understand what this is exactly going to look like until you know next week and possibly the week after. But after Josh leaves her apartment, she wakes up and she gets a call to go to this retreat that Emil Blonsky is hosting. And we don't really have an idea of what it is. And ultimately she does go to this, this, this place outside of LA where Emil is, is now 
really turning over a new leaf in his life. I mean, everything he told us at the top of the season when we first saw him turns out to low-key be true. Mm -hmm. He's a different person. He's out here trying to help people. He's giving therapy sessions and holding group (laughs) with people who have had like troubled pasts and are trying to turn over a new leaf themselves. I didn't initially trust him at the top because it's like, no, this guy's a villain. He's done some some pretty heinous things. He tried to destroy Harlem. Can he really be trusted in in the capacity of what he's telling us here? He might be an unreliable narrator, but it's actually true. And so I guess now with this information and now knowing the lineup of of the Thunderbolts movie, which we expected him to be in, Mm kind of makes sense now that he probably won't be in that movie unless they swerve us and and do something, you know, that's like a trick. But it makes sense that he's not a part of that movie because this guy's really trying to be good. And, And it makes me wonder, will we even see Abomination again? Can he possibly return and be a, a hero in that capacity? But then also, you know, what are your thoughts on just seeing him be so different than, than I think what we <laughs> anticipated out of him as a character? I'm actually still slightly holding out that he wasn't announced that Thunderbolts in the surprise that he still happens to turn some at some point in, in, in She-Hulk. I don't know how it happens still, but I'm, I'm still looking for he email Blonsky has bamboozled everyone. And sure, he may still be uh, uh, doing all of this reconstructive work, you know what I mean, holding group, but I still feel like there's something in him that can, you know what I mean, come out and be like, no, but I still love being an abomination. Here I am, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Especially because Thunderbolts is in a way, especially with the... The, the characters we have in Thunderbolts, none of them are really inherently that bad anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are uh, uh, a lot of people who are just kind of anti-heroes and, and Abomination now, in my mind, fits that. He still has never been a hero, but he was kind of a semi-villain in that Incredible Hulk film. And so uh, I'm still looking at him to, to at some point, not necessarily return to his craziness, but I still have something deep within him that's like, eh, I'd still like being Abomination because it's still part of him. I can't imagine not. It'd be different if like something happened and his, his blood got reversed. He could no longer become Abomination anymore. You know what I mean? But I'm still looking at it as, no, it's still in you somewhere. I, we just don't know uh, where how to get it out of you yet. Um, but it's it's really cool seeing Tim Roth in this in this role, man. I actually didn't expect to see him again, so he was actually a pleasant surprise back in this episode. But I love how just reflective and as, uh, how much of a teacher this man is trying to be. I really do mm-hmm. enjoy that. Um, I like how he's I don't know he's trying to figure out like J- listen, Jen, you don't you know he's being very proverbial, like <laughs> trying to trying to give so many lessons as as someone who feels rehabilitated. Because of J- I love how it aligns with his episode where he's like having to explain to the jury like, no, I have done this for people and done this for people. And then he leaves and continues to do it. And again, in my mind, he's continuing to do it. One, he likes it. Yes. But also as a facade for something else. I know I'm, I'm going to be on the boat until like you got to give me one more episode where he's not doing nothing, <laughs> where he's not doing anything. So, yeah, I'm still on the boat. That abomination still exists. Um, but I, I love Tim Roth here. And he, it feels like he, he he's comfortable now in the work that he's having to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tim Roth, incredible actor. So for them to find a way to keep Tim Roth as Tim Roth and utilize his acting abilities and we can see his face and his body, that's a smart move. I actually like the fact that at this point, it seems as if he is really authentically rehabilitated and it, it might not be an act. And I only say that because his 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 function in this episode is is almost like a, a, a an outlet or a muse for Jennifer for for her to really 
kind of reckon with some of the things that she's been dealing with and confronting some of those internal conflicts. And, and who better to be that person for her than a guy who's had a similar issue? You know, he, he went through this process of experimentation and was ultimately viewed in a negative light because of it. And physically, it transformed him, presented him as, as, as a monster or whatever the case may be. And so I think that that lived experience that he's dealt with is, is very much valuable for Jennifer. And mm -hmm. she can be informed by all that stuff. You kind of trust him and his opinion on where he's been. And he's also older, too. Like, all of the abomination stuff when it first popped off was 14 years ago. And so now we can look at this guy who's had, like, legitimate time to, to go through this process and heal and think and reflect and, and, and become a better person. Do I also want to see Abomination again? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? It's a great, it's a great character that they can always come back to and, and figure out a creative way to spin him into a villain or maybe an anti-hero or, or whatever the case may be. But I do think for the actual purposes of the story that they're trying to tell here, really effective way and, and, and believable too, because I think with how we saw him earlier in the season being imprisoned and then ultimately freed based on a few conditions and, and where he is now, it feels organic to the story. It doesn't feel like that this is something that they shoehorned in. It actually feels like a natural, organic progression of where the story has gone. So I did, I did like this particular aspect of mm -hmm. it. But probably the standout here has to be the group itself, the people that are participating in this retreat, these really weird, crazy characters that they decide to introduce here. And quite a few of them are actually from Marvel Comics, funny yeah. enough. These are not necessarily people that they just made up. These are actually canon in, in terms of the Marvel Universe. But we get this group made up and encompassing of characters called Manbull, El Aguila, Porcupine, Saracen, I think that's the way mm -hmm. you pronounce it. And Wrecker actually returns, who we saw earlier in the season. But Jennifer has to remind us, like, yeah, you probably don't remember this guy because he was here and gone in a second. <laughs> and she does a nice fourth wall break and does the previously on. And we see, see him come back and why he's important to the story. But a lot of people dealing with some really fucked up things. And they've come to this retreat to try to also rehabilitate themselves and become better and reckon with the things that they've gone through in the past. And they're also simultaneously helping Jennifer. What did you think about these just wild collection, this motley crew of random, weird Marvel characters that they decided to introduce here. They're such a good time. Um, it, it's it's yeah. I don't know who like put these guys together, but somebody definitely was was cooking up something in that in that writers' room, man. Because it, it's low key genius, though. It's a bunch of kind of misfit guys, which again they chose me on purpose. But it's a it's a bunch of misfit guys who are are so ridiculous. It's like how can they ever be content with themselves? You know what I mean? In light of that's what Jen is wrestling with is how can she be both content with she hulk and jennifer and so I, I love that they chose these 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 random people with all these kind of quirks that that um are also trying to figure it out who else but to <laughs> try to rehabilitate these guys than than freaking abomination himself you know what i'm saying and so uh i just thought it was genius i thought they were hella funny man is saracen even a vampire we don't know um that is, is porcupine porcupine thinks he's a porcupine that dude is that's probably the craziest <laughs> person out of all these people is porcupine because oh like what at first i was like okay this dude has on like a gilly you know what i'm saying i didn't know what was, they were like no he thinks he's a porcupine i was like what <laughs> he thinks he's who a porcupine that is crazy <laughs> how did he get here i want to know his i look you want to know his backstory because 
uh, I think in the comics, Mambo gets like experimented on or something. Uh, uh, Ella Aguila, I think. I don't know how he gets those little electric powers, but he's Matadorish, whatever. No big questions. Wrecker is Wrecker. Saracen, probably not a vampire. I don't know. We don't know. But he was probably saying not. some funny shit bro he was <laughs> talking about her blood might be tasty and all kind of stuff but it was like oh i'm getting beside the point somebody <laughs> bailed me out i was like yeah this dude's hilarious but him and porcupine were the, were the standouts to me just because they were so weird man they, and they said some funny stuff um but yeah that very very genius on the writing side of things being able to to use these weird characters and pair them with just the idea that of something that Jen is, is searching for, right? And I actually really love the moment where Jen tells a story about Josh. It instantly, Porcupine is like, we got to go kill him. <laughs> I love that um, because it's like instant, uh, uh, really, really, you know, in, instant rallying, right? Behind behind someone who feels like um, they need it. Um, and so this is also really dope to me, this whole thing, because people actually go to group in real life you know what i'm saying and some people are afraid to do that so beyond everything going on with jen in my mind this was a big uh somewhat of an ad it's like look y'all therapy is okay (laughs) you know what i'm saying like look everybody this is what happens when you go to therapy and at the end she's like ah that felt good i'm like man i wish more people understood this you know what i'm saying understood and so um yeah it was just a a, a good moment with these guys and and they gave me a a lot of laughs man so i definitely this is by far my favorite part of the episode and i really enjoyed them being in that room and having conversations about um yeah just self-reflection yeah you know this what what this what what's been great about this series i will have to commend it is the fact that we've gotten introduced to so many again random characters that they, they can't carry stories of their own. They can't do these solo movies about Mr. Immortal and Porcupine and Mamble. You're, you're, you're never going to get that. But if there's a really natural way to integrate them into another person's story and, and also present the opportunity that we could see them again, because this, this isn't necessarily to say that they're written off forever. I think that it's brilliant. Again, as Jennifer and She-Hulk are the head of the superhuman law division, naturally she would come in contact with so many different sides of the Marvel universe as a whole and run into all of these D-list, F-list characters that have never really had an opportunity to shine. And they come in and just deliver these really quick gags, these memorable moments and, and service her ultimately as the lead of the series in a meaningful way, man. I think it's actually a really, a really nice way to incorporate the weird, zany, wacky sides of the Marvel Comics mm-hmm. universe and bring them in, in in this particular fashion. So I really like that stuff. And as you said, it was funny. It really was funny. The porcupine stuff was, <laughs> it just had me looking at this guy like so crazy. Like, who is this person? What What is wrong with this dude? And the fact that he was sitting in this suit for probably weeks, maybe Ooh. even months. And, and when he finally decides to show his face, I I can't imagine what that smelled like. I don't even want to think about it. It might make me throw up even thinking about it. That It's just not pleasant. You know, and all these dudes have just like strange stuff going on with them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's even funnier that they are all guys too. And Jennifer is like a woman. And that might there might be something there that they're trying to say like, look at all these fucked up dudes trying to like work on themselves yeah. after seeing so many guys beforehand not willing to work on themselves. Whether it's these dickhead dudes she's been dating mm-hmm. or the the really, the really fucked up people that she works with, you know, that, that, that have their own weird things about them. I like the fact that we now have some guys just trying to be better. And I, and I, was, I was questioning that mm-hmm. earlier in the season. I'm like, it would be nice to see some guys making an effort, at least. Yeah. They're probably, they have a long way to go, a lot, a lot more work to do, but they are making an effort by going to therapy, you know, and having these sessions and really talking out all their stuff. 
and they can be good moral support for Jennifer and what she's going through in this episode. The last thing I do want to quickly touch on is the fact that there's a lot of conversations here in this episode about dating. There's a lot of commentary mm-hmm. about dating, the, the whole element of ghosting people and, and how should you react to that, possibly being heartbroken by this. What were your thoughts on just like their whole perception and take on the modern dating world? The fact that like she's go, she goes this entire episode looking and staring at her phone because this guy is just like not texting <laughs> her back. I mean, how many of us have gone through that, right? right. Like it, it's a very relatable thing when you, you feel like things are going right and then all of a sudden stuff just stops, you know? What, what were your thoughts on just the commentary of the dating, the dating world that they, that they infuse in this episode? Yeah, that's a lot of the stuff I appreciate, you know, the stuff that um, um, we can really relate to. Uh, there's, you know, again, I've, I've talked about this. I think we talked about this on Earth 9 4 podcast, but there was, there's just moments in the MCU where you're like, man, I will never be in the, the shoes of any of these people in the MCU, right? I kind of brought up like Ant-Man is like, probably one of the people you would <laughs> you know what i'm saying like the dudes working at baskin robbins like he's an engineer electrical engineer i'm like yeah i, I can kind of understand ant man but you know i'm never going to be a playboy millionaire flying metal suits through the air you know what i'm saying but jen of course i can't relate to her being a hulk but there's a part of her that they're trying to kind of break through in this episode that through her dating life she is a normal person she's very much going through all the bullshit that everybody else goes through when it comes to dating. And so when when oh boy ghosted her, I was like, dang, that's real. Cause I've I've been on the, you know, the side of that of being ghosted. It's like, is that really? <laughs> Damn, okay. I, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and so it just it just makes for for a connection, I think, to her character that I think is so smart. And again, it's those little things that I think throughout the series we've been able to be like, yep, that would really happen. Um, as crazy as the MCU is, all of that other stuff, you may be a she-hulk. But this would really happen. Like if somebody, you know, some people, I, I imagine celebrities go through that too, right? Celebrities aren't necessarily superheroes, but I can imagine mm. somebody likes, uh, uh, what's a random celebrity? I don't know. Somebody likes the idea, somebody likes the idea of Michael Jackson, not Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody likes the singing, but nobody likes Michael Jackson when he's at home not doing anything. You know sure. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and so I can really see a lot of that stuff making i don't know just making this show a little bit more than what it is um and so yeah i appreciate all those things about it but yeah when it comes to the dating stuff in the show i'm like yeah this gives some human to jen this gives some some realism to the tv show and and into the mcu and so um yeah again those are a lot of things that i appreciate about it yeah certainly i mean i think um again this is something that a lot of people can relate to just the fact that so much of the dating world now is connected so much to your phone and and the, and the and the and the smartphone and how that works between communication and all of this stuff. We saw it earlier this season with the dating profile and doing the online internet dating situation and how that was a train wreck essentially. And and now we have an experience where they had a genuine in person connection with each other and it was it was intimate and romantic and then it reverted backwards towards just, you know, a a text experience where she wasn't getting any responses and just like the empty feeling of of what that what that experience would be like. The fact that everything just seems so perfect and right. And then all of a sudden it's nothing. It's it's kind of the worst, the worst case scenario. I think many of us, if not all of us, would just prefer somebody to look us directly in the face or speak to us over the phone and say, like, yeah, I'm just not into this anymore, as opposed to just 
now you vanish and you have no idea what you did wrong or what went south. Like you just have no clue. It's the worst place to be in. And so I think now we feel more for Jennifer as a character, just really seeing she has gone through the absolute ringer, ending up in a position that she didn't ask for. It's not like she asked to be She-Hulk. And all of these things have just subsequently happened to her, especially when it comes to her dating experience. But the real thing is just kind of how this is slowly but surely getting her to a better place of self-actualization in, in, in terms of not only realizing her importance as a person, which I think she mostly does, but placing some of this this energy into these experiences with men have not been great for her morale and, and, and her positive attitude, but ultimately realizing like, you know what, he ain't that, it ain't that deep. It, it, it don't don't put that much energy into this guy delete his number like they all encourage her to do so and she does sure she's gonna still feel it and still be upset by it but i think it's a step you know to just think like you know what i'm better than this it is what it is i'm gonna move on and and it's gonna it's gonna work itself out at the end of the day and so i think a lot of us it speaks to a lot of us and how we just have to constantly work to get towards that place because it does take work to mm-hmm. just like develop that type of mentality to move on from something and just let it go it's not easy at right. all um before we close out here I think we should probably bring up Daredevil Watch. No Matt Murdock, no Daredevil this week. Uh, we still haven't seen him, but it seems like Jennifer's going to face off with whoever this new squad is. I don't know if it's like an extension of the Wrecking Crew, whoever the Hulk King is. It appears as if she's going to get a lending hand from Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil. It seems like that's going to be that's going to be the person to help swoop in and just like sort of assist in this fight. Um and and I think that that makes the odds better as well for Jennifer in, in, in whatever appearance he will ultimately make, whether it's episode eight or episode nine. Um, is that something that you would be excited about? I know we haven't seen it, but do you think that if it's naturally just like a fight, if that's just what so happens to be the end result of the Daredevil cameo, are you going to do you think you'll be satisfied with that if that's ultimately what it's going to be? Hmm. That's a good question that I'm not 100 percent sure. But what I will say is that I think this show has presented itself as, again, expectations are important, right? This show has set a, set something that I my expectation should be not as low as possible in terms of the quality of the show, but low in terms of the things that I see, I think, out of the show. It, it, it's constantly surprising me, whether I like it or not, for better or for worse. This TV show is constantly surprising me about what it gives me. And so if it's just a fight with Matt Murdock, knowing that Matt Murdock is in several other projects <laughs> that are that are coming up, I I would probably be pretty sad, satisfied with that at this point because I feel like that's what the show has given me. I, I thought it was going to be a big fight between She-Hulk and Titania very early. I didn't get that. I got a couple punches. You know what I'm saying? And so I, now I, I'm, I'm just expecting myself to... Yeah, expecting expecting the 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 interaction between Daredevil and She Hulk to not be so much as that. Um, I think this TV show is setting up other things that it's going to be used in the future. Right? They're not just throwing Intelligentsia out for no reason. But I have an expectation that we might not get all the answers for Intelligentsia by the end of this either. You know what I mean? Especially knowing again, Modok and Leader and all these other people are part of the organization. Um, and so I. I Man, the Daredevil stuff, we're just going to have to see what they give us. Uh, as, as long as he shows up, he's in his suit. So, of course, part of me expects something. But mm-hmm. as to what that degree is, I think, is the expectation. I'm kind of setting myself 
up um to to expect not too much and so i'm okay i i have come into terms with that and i'm okay with that because if they do anything more i'll be good <laughs> you know what i'm saying I'm like oh okay they did more this is dope um so yeah that's 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 where i'm i'm at with it yeah i mean the lowest expectations will deliver the greatest every time possible surprise and outcome exactly. so I, I, that's that's a that's a good way to go um if it is just a fight that's fine you know as you said we're, we're gonna see daredevil again and and patience is a virtue i mean we've waited this long we can wait a little bit longer but i think it'll be worth it actually i think uh ultimately the inclusion of daredevil seems like it signals that if we do get like a big all-out smash brawl at the end if that's what this inevitably leads to i'm just hoping that the actual fight itself and the choreography is really well done because it's not been well done in this series thus far all of the fights have been underwhelming they are very note rote excuse me they're very rote just basic fight sequences there's nothing spectacular about them Having Daredevil be a part of that could spice things up. He's a great fighter, great hand-to-hand combat, mm-hmm. has weapons, all of this stuff. It could really make it an interesting dynamic from a from an action perspective. So I'm excited about it in, in, in that sense. Yeah. I, I'm just hoping they don't drop the ball with that because it's going to give us a first look in the costume in, in the MCU. And it's going to kind of tell us like what to look forward to when it comes to Daredevil Born Again mm-hmm. and what that's ultimately going to look like. And so I think from that perspective, I'm 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 curious to see what ultimately happens here. but. We have to wait just a little bit longer to see Daredevil Daredevil pop back up in the MCU. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank you again for tuning into another podcast. We will be back early next week to talk about all the latest movies and TV that have dropped, including Blonde, the brand new Marilyn Monroe biopic that just recently premiered on Netflix. We also got to talk about Hocus Pocus 2, a sequel that many, many people have been waiting for, the Disney sequel We'll be dropping this weekend, so we're going to chat about that. Also, Intergalactic from Kid Cudi, both the album and the film on Netflix will be dropping. And, of course, we have to catch up and recap House of the Dragon. Episode 7 will be dropping this weekend as well, so we'll be here to talk about that. And, of course, come back at the end of next week as we talk about She-Hulk Attorney at Law Episode 8, the penultimate episode of this season from the Marvel Studios original series. So plenty to look forward to over the coming week. But until then, we will see y'all next time. With that being said, y'all, we are outie. 5,000. Please check out our Nerds of Thunder collection at 2BlackNerds.com. This is the year of 2022 Black Nerds. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of 2 Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Peace. Tried to reach the sun, but got me stuck to my shoes. Yeah.